Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of JK Productions. My name is Jacob, and on the shows with me today, the first time joining is my friend Zach Weinberger. Zach, how you doing today, bud? I'm doing great, man. Listen, I mean, life of a Dolphins fan, right? Life of a Florida fan. I know there's some good teams out there, but, you know, Dolphins is what, you know, precedes our sadness. But I'm excited to be with you, you know, talk about all things, all, all things sports. So let's get let's get to it. Yeah, yeah, I can't I can't disagree with you. Being a Dolphins fan is hard, and we kind of know year in, year out this time of the year. Uh, you're mostly going to be talking about things non-Dolphins related because, again, not in the playoffs. You know, you're sitting at home watching the games, and we got blessed with a few good games. We did see our, our two division rivals go at it against each other. Uh, but, again, the Dolphins at, at home, and I've uh, I've expressed my my thoughts on the show for you guys listening. You guys know how I feel about the, the Flores firing. What I think about Tua is, Zach, we're going to get your opinion later in the show. But first things first. We're gonna go over what was it? You know, it was a it was an all right wild card weekend. It wasn't necessarily the super wild card weekend that they try to say that they give the title to. Uh, we did see a, a few blowouts that you know a few games just looked pretty ugly from the, from the jump. But uh, the first game that that we saw was the Raiders take on the Bengals, and the the Raiders season did finally come to an end after what was just an unimaginable final game of the season, the best game of the year. Uh, they, they they finally finally did uh, meet their end, meet their demise. Uh, Joe Burrow, man, the 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 second year this guy's had where Zach Taylor has taken this team is really where the, you know the Dolphins kind of wish that their team would be at this point in, in their rebuild process. Uh, Joe Burrow leading his team. It kind of got close at the end there, but but Zach, the Bengals really looked comfortable that game and looked like they deserve to be in the playoffs. Absolutely, you know, and again, like I hate to bringing Dolphins talk when we're not talking about him. But, I mean, this is what happens when you bring your young quarterback some weapons around him and, and just kind of giving him an offensive-minded head coach, I feel. So, and we'll talk – obviously, we'll talk about that later. But, yeah, you know, Joe Burrow, he's a superstar. You know, he's been showing it this season. He's been having incredible stats, especially in the tail end of the season. Uh, and showing it now, again, against against the Raiders. I mean, again, um, throwing for a good amount of yards, getting Jamar Chase involved, who had a great day, 116 yards on the, on the day. Um, obviously you got the Raiders kind of fighting it back at the end. I know you had some very questionable, controversial calls by the officiating late in the game. Um, but really I, 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 it was to me, always the Bengals were going to come out of this one, you know, even though really the inexperienced team here, when it comes, when it comes to the the coaching staff, when it comes to the players in the field, but they played like veterans out there. And I, and I think that if they continue to play like their veterans out there, they can make it, they can make quite a bit of noise. And so we'll see. I mean, uh, I think they're facing the Titans next. So that should be a really good game. Uh, but Burrow, that offense looks looks incredible. We'll just see if that offensive line can really hold up, though, because, you know, they've been kind of inconsistent this season. Um, but it was a good game. You know, a very, a very good first playoff game. The Bengals, um, they could be a team that, you know, that can make the playoffs every single year because of that quarterback, because of that offense. Uh, Joe Mix, especially at the running back position, and they could succeed. Yeah, you got to give a lot of credit to, to that coaching staff and what they've been able to do to rebuild, rebuild the roster. You know, this time last year, we're giving the Dolphins a lot of credit, you know, again, to, to bring up the Dolphins in a, in a topic that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the Dolphins. Uh, we were talking about how the Dolphins have done a great job killing the rebuild, and we're looking at the Bengals again with a, a top-five pick. Like, what are you guys doing? Why, why aren't you able to progress the team like the Dolphins have? You know, their defense was terrible. Their offensive line was terrible. Their offensive line cost Joe Burrow his season. The guy's knee absolutely shredded. Uh, when they played Washington last year. However, you look at this just a year later, and these are this is a team that at the pace they're going, if they made the Super Bowl, I don't think anybody necessarily necessarily be surprised. 
you see Cincinnati Bengals, you see that B, you see, you hear the city of Cincinnati. You don't necessarily think of a winner, but Joe Burrow is a certified winner. We saw what he was able to do with LSU, how he had the Heisman season, the, arguably the greatest college football team of all time, that LSU team that year. And, and he's continued that. He's made big plays over the season. Uh, there was a two, uh, two-week stretch uh, at the end of the season where he had nearly 1,000 yards combined over the two weeks. Uh, on Saturday, they finished with 244 yards, two touchdowns. Not the most fantastic stat line, but he's not turned the ball over. He's making plays. And one of those plays he did make is one of those controversial plays where he's rolling out to the pocket. You know, he's, he's, he's getting close to the, to the out of bounds. He gets the ball off. He was certainly in bounds, but the ref blew the whistle. What do you think about that play? You know, I, when I first saw that, I thought the play was dead because, again, I heard the whistle. It ended in a, it, it was looked like the guy caught in the end zone. I'm like, okay, so it's not going to count because the ref blew the whistle. Um, but then it was ruled a touchdown. I thought it was, an, it, was a, it was an incredible play. And it's funny because, like, you know, we'll talk about this game in a little bit, but, like, the same play happened to Josh Allen against the Patriots early in the game. And the, the whistle was not blown. I'm not sure if like they contacted the refs before the game and said, you know, kind of look out for those type of plays. Um, but really, I just, you know, I'm not sure why they called the whistle dead. You know, I feel like the ref was right in his face. Like you could definitely see it. Um, but yeah, again, like it was just a, a spew of, of just controversial calls in that games that people are having a problem with. But like, you know, I, to me, and, and whether Raiders fans are calling that unfair or not, um, I, I find that kind of, you know, kind of BS, you know, I mean, your team scored 19 points. I, I don't know what to tell you, you know, score more, you know, that, that's all I can tell you, but you know, what, cause when it, when it comes down to those controversial plays, again, you can totally blame the refs, but really it's just like, you know, it's in the hands of, the, it's in the hands of the teams, you know, especially like, again, that the play that lives is ingrained in my mind was that playoff game with the saints and the Rams that missed PI call at the end, you know, and, People say, well, that determined the game. Well, I mean, the Saints should have played better, you know, sort of thing. So um, very controversial call, a very athletic play by Joe Burrow, because I don't think Joe Burrow is really known for his mobility, really. I think that's kind of one of his maybe his weaker points compared to other quarterbacks in the league, but really showed it off there, you know. And again, I just think that I, w- I will say I will be surprised if they do make the Super Bowl, right, because um, definitely won't be surprised if they make it to the championship game but you have to get past either the, the Chiefs or the Bills, you know, and either either game, to me, that is a must-watch game. You know, just to, whatever the situation is, two young quarterbacks going at it, hopefully in a, in a big shootout. Um, man, the AFC side is going to be exciting. Yeah, there's some dynamic quarterbacks there, which is, you know, it's the name of the game when you get to, this, to the postseason. Look at the quarterbacks that are still in it. You have Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, like these quarterbacks, uh, Josh Allen, these are really what's winning. They're getting their, uh, their teams to this point in the season. And, you know, I love Derek Carr. I've been a huge supporter of him. I think he's the biggest reason for the success of the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, getting him to this point, of the, uh, getting him into the playoffs in the first place. Their head coach, Rich Bisaccia, you know, he deserves a lot of credit. However, I think the job that Joe Burrow or Joe Burrow that Derek Carr has done to rally the troops and keep this team just in the game in the playoffs has been absolutely outstanding. But that was the difference at the end of the day. And also the weapons. Derek Carr is throwing to what Hunter Renfro, uh 50-50 Darren Waller, who's trying to return from injury still, Zay Jones, who's never been really been able to incorporate in the offense like they would like to, and Deshaun Jackson, who is well past his prime, who they they got him the ball a few times and when he did get the ball. He looked pretty electric. However, you know, the difference in weapons, the difference in quarterback there is 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 huge the the huge difference there. 
And I just really want to see that rematch of two weeks ago where the Chiefs and Bengals took on each other because that was an absolute fireworks show. And if not for the Raiders and Chargers last game of the season, that might be the best game of the season. But to get to that point first, the Chiefs would have to go through the Buffalo Bills and the Buffalo Bills absolutely wipe the floor with the New England Patriots. Sitting here as Dolphins fans, you know, we can't necessarily root for either team. However, it is nice to see that the, the Patriots dynasty is officially over. You know, the Bills have taken over, and rightfully so. Josh Allen, wow, he's just such an incredible talent, such athleticism, the arm. You see him, he's, he's such a playmaker. He can make plays running to his left, to his right, picking up yards. He refuses to slide. You know, he's like, what, 6'5", 230, 240 pounds. He can make plays out of nowhere. And we saw the literal definition of a perfect game. They went on their drives. They went seven for seven, scoring touchdowns every single drive. Didn't kick a field goal. Didn't punt. Didn't fumble. Didn't throw an interception. The only drive that ended with a non-touchdown was their kneel downs at the end of the game. And that's the, the, the definition of this game. What made the difference is the quarterbacks. You look at Mac Jones, who is limited athletically, has a limited limited arm, and you look at Josh Allen, who is the physical embodiment of everything you want from an NFL athlete. He's fast. He's strong as quarterback. He has a great arm and your know, ball placement. We we saw that play with uh, Dawson Knox in the back of the end zone. And we all know he probably was throwing it out of bounds. And he even kind of alluded to in his press conference. He was throwing it out of bounds. However, just to make that throw versus, you know, Mac Jones can't make that throw. Josh Allen is definitely a difference between those two teams. Absolutely. You know, and, and again, I feel like, I think this is what happens when you wait and you're patient with your quarterback. You know, again, I hate to connect it back to the Dolphins, but like, I, you know, Josh Allen had a couple years where people thought that this, this was going to be a bust. You know, I picked seven, you know, but you've seen what Josh Allen is now, and that's one of the best quarterbacks in the league in every single statistic, you know, and I, again, you just got to be patient. I'm not saying that two is, you know, we'll, 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 you know, we'll get to it, but like Josh Allen played amazing, you know, and, and I think one of the things that, I think benefited the bills is that they played the Patriots now for three times. That first time we know what happened. Mac Jones threw the ball like two or three times, literally. Um, and we, we saw the game plan that they had, but then you saw in that second game, the bills sort of looking at the defense credit to Josh Allen, credit to Brian Dable, possible, you know, head coaching candidate for the Miami dolphins and, and the offense you're hoping for it. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, just kind of hoping, you know, and again, the way that they tackled the Patriots defense this second, and especially this third time around, they perfected it in the playoffs. Uh, no chance for the Patriots offense at all in this game. The defense played amazing. Um, credit to FAU alum, Devin Singletary, had a, had a game, two touchdowns, 81 yards. You know, so when when the, the passing game and the running game is working for Buffalo, they are very dangerous because, you know, we saw that throughout the season, they passed too much. And we saw that they were very vulnerable throughout that middle of the season, really. Um, but we're seeing now click on all cylinders, and man, they are a dangerous team. And especially again, I, you know, that divisional round between them and the Chiefs. You know, I know it just spoiled the Chiefs game, but we know how that was going to end. But like, that it's going to be a dynamic game, and that's going to be one of the best games of the season. Um, but again, you know, the Patriots, Mac Jones. We just saw the inexperience, and I think that's the thing. It's kind of weird to say that the Patriots experience inexperience in a playoff game. But we saw it here. Mac Jones just looked stuttered the whole game, you know, and he made he made some you know big throws here and there, but again, not enough to at least get it make it close. Um, interesting to see, but you know, we, but now this is you know solidified that the Bills are the team to beat in the AFC East. It's not the Patriots anymore. 
I uh, 100% agree. And Buffalo is a team that through most of the season, I've kind of been comparing them and Dallas. They've been, they've been really hot. They've been really cold and they really go, they really go where their quarterback goes. Josh Allen has been absolutely electric. And when he is electric, you see him can blow a team out. However, if they can't establish the run and you can solely focus on Josh Allen, that makes that offense a lot more one-dimensional. He is great. He is amazing. He's a top five quarterback. However, you can't do it on that alone. And be able to establish the run with Devin Singletary, 81 yards, two touchdowns, is absolutely fantastic job by Brian Dable. Some of the critiques earlier in the season, and you know, my friend Donovan came on the show and even said Brian Dable should be fired, which was absolutely heresy. And that was just, I, I can't believe he even said that. Now, as a Dolphins fan, we're sitting here like, yeah, hopefully he's our head coach one day. Uh, to be able to establish the run with Devin Singletary. I love Devin Singletary, you know, FAU alum. But we all know he's not a top 20. He's not, he's not, he's not one of the best running backs in the league. And their, their running back core is relatively on the weaker side. I'm not a big fan of Zach Moss. We saw what Matt Breida did down here, very little production. And to be able to establish a run like they did against New England, and New England, to be fair, has had a rather weak run, uh, run defense as the season's gone on. We saw uh, what the Dolphins were able to do by running the ball consistently on them. Even Tua had a few decent runs against them. But uh, what this offense is able to do, Josh Allen is quarterback, and they don't necessarily have the best weapons on offense. If you take away Stephon Diggs, you're talking about Dawson Knox, Devin Singletary, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, 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 aging Emmanuel Sanders. It's an offense that if you just take away their star, you kind of look and wonder, like, where is these plays going to be made? But when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen, plays can be made on an instant, out of nowhere, and we saw them take care of business. And it is going to put together a absolutely fascinating AFC division around matchup between them and the Chiefs. We'll get to the Chiefs game in a second. We're just going to go down order. And we all knew it was going to happen with that game immediately uh, as, soon, as soon as we saw the uh, the matchups. Uh, I've kind of predicted a, on Jacob Brown's show a, a, a slight upset by saying the Chiefs were only going to win by 28 points. Uh, they won by 21 points, so you know, I was off by a touchdown. Um, but yeah, that, that divisional round matchup is going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, moving on to Sunday's slate of games that, again, started out with, unfortunately, another blowout. We saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers dispatch of the Philadelphia Eagles. The, the Eagles tried to keep it interesting at the end of the game. They got two touchdowns at the end, and, you know, if they were able to stop him and get the ball back, you know, it could have made things a little interesting. However, the, the limited Eagles offense just was no match for the other side of things with, with Tampa Bay. Missing, of course, Chris Godwin. Missing their two running backs of, of Rojo, Leonard Fournette. Uh, missing Antonio Brown inf uh, infamously. Uh, still able to get the job done. Mike Evans had a fantastic game. 117 yards, one touchdown. Tom Brady, 271 yards and two touchdowns. And I mean, it really was the difference of experience. And it, it literally was the difference of experience. It was the biggest gap of starting quarterbacks in terms of age in NFL history. I think Tom Brady's 44 now. Jalen Hurts is only 23. And we we did see some of the limitations of Jalen Hurts. I'm a guy, you know, I I, I like Jalen Hurts. I hope the best for him. And I think he can develop into a, a steady passer if he's able to, you know, use the run game for now, use athleticism for now. If he's able to use that and then grow in the pocket, and I think he can be a decent quarterback. However, he only had 258 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Most of those yards kind of came in garbage situations. And for a team that likes to run the ball, they were absolutely shut down with Jalen Hurts being their top rusher at 39 yards. Tampa Bay has had a really good rush, uh, rush defense. However, over the second half of the season, as their secondary has been injured and been weakened, that rush defense has started to started to show some cracks, show some holes. However, they did a great job to, to show uh, show themselves who they are. And, and Zach, you'd be hard-pressed to say that 
they they're not going to be in it to try to defend their Super Bowl title. Yeah, listen, I you know, and you kind of mentioned it a little bit. You know, it, it really the experience just came into play. You know, and, and who am I going to trust in, in a playoff game? Am I going to trust Tom Brady, who's been here uh, countless amount of times, or am I going to trust Jalen Hurts? And you know, again, this is a vulnerable Buccaneers team. You know, they're they're missing a lot of players, especially on defense and, and on offense, like you mentioned in the running back room. So they're they're you know a, a, a team that could be beaten. But the Eagles are not the team to do it, you know, and we, we saw it, you know, again, Jalen Hurts really struggling out there, uh, you know, maybe in itself not targeting his his best players, whether it be Devonta Smith, uh, really a bad game from Jalen Rager, you know, which I was pulling up a uh, I was going to pull up a stat here. I found it actually, you know, where actually Henry Ruggs finished the season with more yards than him. And we, we know what happened with Henry Ruggs. I'm not going to talk about what happened, but that stat is to me just very bizarre. Right. Uh, and even the players that he was taking over, he was taking over guys like Justin Jefferson, who is killing it for the Vikings. Brandon Ayuk, who you know had an off on and off season, but had a, but ended up with an, a fine season. T Higgins, Michael Pittman, Jr. LaVisca Chenault, Van Jefferson, Chase Claypool. It's really amazing. You know? Um, and again, like you said, the Buccaneers stopped the run, which is a huge part of that Eagles offense. So to me, the thing with Jalen Hurts is that, he, again, he needs to develop into that steady passer. Like you said, I'm not uh, convinced that he can do it, but if he does, then, you know, obviously he can be a very good quarterback in this league. We know his running ability. Uh, he showed that very much in Alabama and especially Oklahoma later when he transferred there. Um, but I need to see him, you know, translate to the NFL level, you know, at a steady pace um, because we're, we're just going to continue to get these mediocre seasons close to 500, maybe just barely get in the playoffs get blown out in the first round and that's going to be the Eagles for the, for the rest of the time. I don't think that's what they want to do. So I think that Jalen hurts clock might be taking sooner than people might think, you know, which, you know, I'm always on the side of giving the quarterback more time and building around them, but I don't know. I I don't know if Eagles fans (laughs) or Eagles, the ownership is is willing to wait. We'll see. Um, But yeah, I I really wasn't surprised. You know, my, my good buddy, JP Acosta was saying that maybe the Eagles will give him a fight, you know, and, um, I never thought that because, you know, it's the Eagles and it's Tom Brady. I was just Tom Brady, you know, hundred percent of the time. So, um, yes, we got to say again, not really shocked at this result, honestly. Yeah. I was, I was going into the game saying, you know what, if this weather, you know, with the weather that was supposed to be, if that held up and the, the Eagles could run the ball, then, you know what? I said, the Eagles might've had a chance. And then I turn on Fox and it's, it's, it's bright, sunny skies, slightly cloudy, seven degree weather. I'm like, what happened? And then I opened up my window. It's downpour down here. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's how weather works. We got, we got the bad weather. Meanwhile, up in Tampa's virtually perfect weather later on in the game, the storms rolled in a little bit. However, didn't play into Philadelphia's favor enough because like we, like we just said, we, they were not able to establish the run at all. And that really is what their, what their offense is based off of. But I do, I do believe Jalen Hurts is going to give, be given the opportunity, especially what he's done with his first-year head coach. They were not expected to compete at all this year. And, you know, they beat some bad teams. They, of course, have to they do get the luxury of playing the Giants twice a year. They get the luxury of playing Washington twice a year. Um, but they, they earned their playoff spot. They won games down the road. They, they started the year 2-5, and five, ended up sneaking their way into the seventh seed in the playoffs, even clinching a playoff seed with a week left, uh, a week in hand. So... They've done a great job, and this was never supposed to be the year that they competed. And it was really unfortunate that they had to play a team like Tampa Bay with the experience of Brady literally coming back from their Super Bowl last year. 
it kind of was the worst case scenario of who they could have played first round because there's very little pressure on Tampa Bay. Tom Brady already has his seven Super Bowls. Tampa Bay got their second Super Bowl of all time last year. There's very little pressure on them. And, you know, there is so much limitations with that Philadelphia offense that it was never supposed to be their year. It was never supposed to be, you know, Jalen Hurts' year to, to step up to that next level. So year three for him coming in next year is the year that you'd like to see try to develop a little bit as a pocket passer. I mean, it's taken Lamar, what, five years now? And he even still isn't necessarily the best pocket passer. We saw earlier in the season that he was a little bit. However, as the season went on, started to diminish. However, that's he. they've put together a winning team around Lamar Jackson, his ability to run the ball. They got into the playoffs multiple years now. They only really missed the playoffs this year because of injuries, including injuries to Lamar Jackson. So if they can continue to develop Jalen Hurts as well as put a good team around him, because I think a lot of the reason why they were expected to do so bad is just how Doug Peterson and the management from previous years has handled the team. And, you know, dra- drafting Jalen Rager on top of all those guys, especially Justin Jefferson, who's literally what, a couple picks behind him, if not a one singular pick, um, that, that is a huge indication of the issues that lie within the Eagles organization. However, they've been taking care of business and going into next season, they have multiple top uh, or multiple first round picks that if they so choose, they could move on from Jalen Hurts. I don't think they're likely to do that, but if they want to, they could go try to get a Russell Wilson a, a uh, you know, as, as we know, depending on his legal situation, you can try to go get a Deshaun Watson if he's willing to go up to Philadelphia. So they're flexible. They have the ability to do what they want. And going to next season, they hopefully should be able to, for their sake, build on top of uh, what they've done this year. And But the their season did come to an end, and the season also came to an end for their fellow NFC East uh, com- compatriot in the Dallas Cowboys. Fantastic game. San Francisco went into Dallas and you know, we last week, me and Donovan, we were talking about what San Francisco needed to do to win the game, and they did that. They established a run. Eli Mitchell, 96 yards with the touchdown. Debo Samuel, man, just the year this guy has been absolutely incredible. Got his ninth rushing touchdown as a wide receiver. You can put him all over the field. He's lined up in the backfield, seeming like as many times as he's lining up out, out wide. You can do almost whatever you want with him, and it works. And if Jimmy Garoppolo can limit his his turnovers, that's a that's a recipe to win. He had the one turnover, and it was really costly because Dallas immediately did go down and score a touchdown. He only had 172 yards on the day. However, their defense stepped up, and Dallas Dallas's offense really really let down. Dak Prescott did not have a great game. 20 uh, 23 for 43, 254 yards, a touchdown interception, and again the Cowboys were not able to establish the running game. Ezekiel Elliott was their leading rusher with 31 yards. Absolutely absence from uh, from uh, what's CD Lamb on the day was not able to, to not able to get open even through, even with a very weak San Francisco 49ers defense or specifically their secondary which is what I thought was going to be their downfall I thought Dallas was going to be able to exploit the 49ers defense however they were not able to do that and Zach we see again the Cowboys fall which is a when they're having a really promising season yeah you know. I tweeted out after the game, I, you know, I said, who are Cowboys fans going to blame this time around? You know, it seems like it's always a, it's more of a blame game than anything when it comes to, when it comes to the Cowboys and yeah, they find a, a different way to lose every single year, you know? Um, and again, it was kind of the, the battle of the two offensive coordinators that the Dolphins might hire in this game, Kellen Moore and Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel made a great case, uh, you know, last night, um, establishing that run like you said he's really known for the run scheming and establishing that run 
like you mentioned Elijah Mitchell, who was just a guy they what they drafted in the sixth round, I think, and he's proving to be a really good runner. Same thing, you put Demo Samuel back in the backfield, uh, you know, playing absolutely lights out. Um, again, I think their downfall will eventually be Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, because I'm not, I don't really trust him that much. Uh, especially when, you know, maybe the defense is not as deadly as it used to be, even though there's still some players in that play. But if they keep running the football like this, it's going to be hard to stop, you know, and and the Green Bay Packers had troubles with that before in the past in the playoffs and in the regular season. So that should be a great match when that happens. Um, But yeah, listen, I, I was kind of drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, I predicted the Cowboys to win this game. I should have known better. I should have known better to, 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 to choose the Cowboys um yeah i'm very disappointed in myself i was thinking in my head i was thinking i know the 49ers i think they can win this game but i i went with the cowboys listen I, i'll tell you why i didn't expect them to score 17 points I, i'll be honest keeping a team that I, I think almost averaged close to 30 if not you know just below it and you're holding them to 17 that is a huge testament to the defense as well as the you know we'll talk, we talked about the san francisco offense but yeah you gotta give credit to that defense i mean they, they went at dak they made him very uncomfortable in the pocket um, again, a big credit also as well to FAU alum as he's Al Shair, um, who's, you know, again, FAU being represented in the, in the playoffs is really good to see, but yeah, they, they had the recipe, you know, beating Dallas in their own playground. Um, yeah. And just seeing Dak, just seeing the lack of accountability, you know, kind of after the game and you're seeing it even on the field with the, the lack of discipline, with the penalties, they deserve to lose this game. You know, it, besides it being the Cowboys, we'd like to, you know, make fun of them. They deserve to lose this game because of the way they play out there. Uh, you know, so we'll see. You know, I, I, I don't know if you're going to blame Jerry Jones. Are you going to blame Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb? Uh, you, if your leading receiver is Dalton Schultz, there's a problem. And he's not, he's not a bad player. But you have Amari Cooper. You know, you, you have C.D. Lamb. Um, you, you know, maybe they, they, were, they, maybe they were missing Michael Gallup a lot because of the ACL injury. Uh, I think Zeke said after the game, he's a partially torn ACL. That team was just set up to fail. So not surprised, but also like, you know, the Cowboys, they really should have won this game. Yeah, absolutely. But I I am, I'm going to blame, I'm going to put the blame a little bit. I'm going to stagger a little bit. First and foremost, I'm going to blame Mike McCarthy. And, you know, you could, I can kind of almost blame Jerry. First of, first of the blames to Jerry Jones, blaming him for hiring him in the first place. Mike McCarthy underachieved as a Packers head coach where you had prime Aaron Rodgers. You had a pretty good roster around him, a good defense around him year in, year out, and got very little done over there. Only one Super Bowl appearance and did win that Super Bowl. However, the time mismanagement and the the lack of ability to go for it. We saw the fake punt, yeah. However, the drive before that, they had a fourth and two elected to punt. In the fourth quarter, again, elected to punt. It did go, it did work for them because the, the 49ers did go on to turn the ball over afterwards. However, I kind of think they just got lucky in those, those instances. I don't think it was necessarily a schematic genius moment from Mike McCarthy. I think it's they kind of got lucky that, that Jimmy Garoppolo had his, you know, his bad turnover that we see every now and then. It, he, they kind of got lucky that they even had an opportunity in the first place. So first, I'm putting the blame on Mike McCarthy for you know, bad coaching, bad time management, and, and of course, bad discipline. That they tied their team record for most penalties in a single game with 14. How many times did they jump off sides? It was, it was getting ridiculous, even early, early in the game, and it didn't necessarily get better as the game went on. Um, but then, yes, I do have to give some, some, to, some of the flack to Dak Prescott. I'm not necessarily going to hate on him for, for his post-game conference uh, and what he said about, like, oh, good for them, for the guys, for the, the fans throwing stuff at the refs. 
Dak Prescott has otherwise been a model citizen and in what you want from your quarterback at the podium on the field mostly. Um, but everything away from his play has always been outstanding. And that's, that's the one thing right. that he has really earned him this contract. Whereas we see with Baker Mayfield, like Baker Mayfield has some talent. However, he's not what you want to see from your quarterback. You know, before he even got into the NFL, got chased by police, had multiple other negative run-ins with whether it be coaching or, uh, or again, police. However, Dak Prescott, he has had no controversy on and off the field. So I'll allow him this one negative comment. However, I will say, his play did come back to bite the, the Cowboys and his contract is kind of hurting the Cowboys because they're very limited now at what they're able to do. The amount of money he's being given, the amount of guaranteed money he's being given, this was kind of their year. And maybe next year if they could kind of glue some things together too. However, you're paying him a lot of money. You're pay paying Zeke, of course, a lot of money. You're paying Amari Cooper a lot of money. There's a lot of money tied into a handful of players that they're not going to be able to address some of their issues. They could not run the ball at all this year. Zeke had a decent first start of the season. However, we see he had 31 yards as a leading rusher. Tony Pollard, who I think is better than Zeke, is right in the bench. He only got a few carries sitting at 14, 14 yards on the day. So they weren't able to run the ball. So they're not being able to go out and sign more offensive linemen. Their offensive line is you know pretty good, but it's not great by any means. So they're not able to address that. They have very limited cap. And yes, they did miss, of course, Michael Gallup. However, they're probably going to lose him in the offseason. I believe he's a free agent. So you have all this money tied into a few players. And I think that's on Jerry Jones. This is where his blame comes in for mismanaging the team. He's wanted his thumb down on the, on the team so long. And, you know, as the owner, as the general manager, I mean, it is his right to do so. However, he doesn't necessarily do good at, at getting bargain deals. He pays people way too early. We saw with Jalen Smith paying him well too early. Now he's not even on a team anymore. Demarcus Lawrence hasn't necessarily lived up to the contract he's been paid. Uh, Leighton Van Der Esch had a great few, uh, first, first season. However, he hasn't performed. So their ability to, to bring in players and then re-sign and sign players has really been the downfall of this team. So going forward with the money they're going to be able to spend or the lack of money they're going to spend, I'm not sure how Dallas is going to be able to put, put forward a capable team that had as good of a chance as they did this season. This was really their year. If there was going to be a year, and they folded. They folded in the first round again. They've only had three playoff wins in, in Zach our entire lives. Uh, quarterback Jake DeLome has more playoff wins than, than oh, the Cowboys God. have had since we've been alive. Think about that. That's absolutely outrageous. Wow. I didn't even think of that. Wow. That is a weird – yeah, Cowboys – yeah. I mean, listen, uh, listen, I, I it really does suck because, like, you know, even though the Cowboys are really just one of those hated teams, like, like you said, like, I don't hate Dak. You know, I, I, I think Dak, he has proven to be, if not a, an elite quarterback in this league, you know, um, and the offense is kind of set up for success. You know, again, I, I don't know if um, I do like the one, two punch that is Zeke and Pollard. I don't know if I'm ready to say that Pollard is better, but I guess again, I, I am. You know, I don't, I'm not there yet, but you know, it, it doesn't help that, you know, Zeke has a partially torn ACL. I don't think that helps, but but also, like, why play him? I don't know. I just remember when earlier in the season they were going to sit Zeke because of the lingering injuries, and they didn't for a meaningless game. So we, we already know that Dallas Cowboys are just, a you know, a franchise that is has been making questionable decisions since, you know, after the, the, the great years of the Super Bowl with Troy Aikman and, you know, so it's – and Jimmy Johnson. So, yeah, you know, the fact you say that Jake DeLome has more – <laughs> Wow. Yeah. It's Doesn't absolutely lovely to card. see. 
And uh, one thing that I mentioned to you before is we saw really the three most obnoxious fan bases all lose in one day. We saw the Cowboys lose. We saw, we'll talk about next, the, the Steelers lose. And before we saw the Eagles lose. And the day before we saw the Patriots lose. So if you really look at that perspective, it was a wonderful, wonderful wildcard weekend. Um, uh, comments about Dak being elite. I think he he is he is borderline elite. He has elite moments. However, I don't think he's consistently elite enough to be warranted that $40 million contract that he's given. That money, if he was if he's given like 32, 33 million dollars a year, and you can go out and sign maybe another offensive lineman, somebody else on defense to, to help out that secondary beside Trayvon Diggs, who is the most overrated corner in the league. Um, if you could go out and get just get somebody else that you could go into the offseason, like you can address a need, then yeah, maybe they can go out and perform similar to the next season. However, look at their comp, look at the rest of their division. The Eagles just made the playoffs with very minimal talent. With Jalen Hurts, who cannot throw the ball from the pocket that well, who doesn't really have that much help. You know, Devonta Smith has had an all right season. He had like a 900 yards on the year, so he did pretty good. He's a good playmaker. However, Jalen Rager is out there. Uh, Dallas Goddard has finally had his first good season. Uh, and then the running game, you're running with Jordan Howard, who we saw as Dolphins fans absolutely stinks. Uh, Miles Sanders can't stay healthy, can't stay consistent. So with very minimal talent, they clinched the playoff spot one week before the season even ended. So they're going to go out and improve. They have cap space. They have picks. Uh, Washington is kind of they're in a spot where they can do they can they can move off their quarterback and go out and get somebody. They if the Dolphins move off of Tua, they could be a destination for Tua potentially. But then the New York Giants really have an opportunity now to do almost whatever they want. I saw your face right there. Let me say first, the Giants stink. This year, they were the worst team in the NFL, and I don't think that's necessarily the most outrageous thing to say. By the end of the season, I should say. By the end of the season, they were the worst team in the NFL because we saw the Jaguars. The Jaguars beat the Bills this year. They beat the Dolphins this year. They beat the Colts this year. So the Jaguars have at least put... (laughs) The Jaguars have at least had some sort of respectable moments on the season of uh, the Texans as the season's gone on with Davis Mills have looked somewhat competitive. They, you know, they, they kind of were part of the chargers demise, beating the chargers, knocking them back out of the playoffs that week. And then obviously the chargers go on to miss the playoffs. So the chargers have had respectable moments. I don't know if the giants have had a respectable moment all year. Like they've been injured all season. Joe judge has not been able to develop that team at all. Um, but Joe judge is gone. David Gettleman's gone. They're bringing in a new GM. They've been uh, they've been talking to the assistant GM of the Buffalo Bills, and they've been, according according to his sources, blown out of the water by his interview. So he's likely to get that job, and we all know what the, the Buffalo Bills have been able to do to build that roster. So if they bring him in, and then, you know, they bring in a head coach like maybe a Brian Flores, who we saw with Miami take a team that was an absolute disarray and put him in a, a competitive position. And even that first year where we stunk, by the end of the year, we were feeling really good about ourselves. So if you can bring in a coach like that, or if they do hire that that Bills uh, assistant GM, try to bring over Brian Dable to help out that team. And then you have the draft capital to potentially move off of Daniel Jones and go get a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, who is said to, to want to play with Brian Flores. If you can get Brian Flores in, you can go get Deshaun Watson if he can play. They're going to be right away, be able to be competitive. And maybe not to Sean Watson last year, Russell Wilson was expressed interest in coming to New York. So New York has the ability to, to go out and do something. So as the Cowboys, you're sitting there, like we kind of squandered our opportunity. Yeah. You know, that, that division isn't, you know, it, that's going to be interesting. This division. Cause I know the past couple of years, you know, when the, like when the Washington football team made shooting, when, when they made the playoffs, 
it was a terrible, they had a terrible record. So that's just how proves like how poor that division was. But, you know, now you see it, there's, there, there could be some light ahead of the tunnel. Like you just said, you know, the people that made the New York Giants, the, the franchise, the crappy one that it was, they're gone. You know, running a QB sneak on third and four, you know, I guess that's not what you want to see or whatever it was. Second down, I don't know. Um, that was hilarious, by the way. It was. Um, that was. But um, Jacob, Jacob yeah. Brown's just absolutely crying right now. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm hoping, listen, I'm praying for Jacob. You know, I'm hoping they, they get a head coach that, can, you know, like maybe like Brian Flores, even though. I don't know, or, or someone else like like an offensive guy, you know, and maybe bring in if you get from Flores, you bring in Watson. You're set at the quarterback position. You get a GM that can draft. I mean, the franchise could change, so we'll see, you know. Um, but I, I don't know if I trust the owner. Um, the name really escapes me now because the, the reason why I know about it is because of uh, you know Max Kellerman on ESPN just trashing him all the time, and other I see I've seen other Giants fans do it. We'll see if he can get those guys. Um, getting a guy from the Bills is a good start, I feel, at the GM position for sure. We'll see what happens with the head coaching job. But, uh, yeah, I don't think Daniel Jones is the guy. I don't and Because I, I, I don't feel, you know, I don't think if people even need to be patient with him. At least with Tua and at least with other young quarterbacks, you see the development they can make in a, in a year. I haven't personally, I haven't really seen that with Daniel Jones. And even just hearing from other Giants fans and, you know, and just watching him, it seems like that there's some agreement there. So I think it is time. I think that team just needs a reality check and a whole fresh start. So move on from everybody, you know. So, um, yeah, we'll see about the Giants. I, I think the Washington football team are in a prime position. You know, their, their defense two years ago was really good. You know, they showed some moments for the most part. They were kind of inconsistent this year. Um, I, and I think because, you know, they had Taylor Heineke, I was actually thinking that team could maybe win the division because of Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, and I, you know, he got blown his, I think his hip got blown at the first game. So, I mean, maybe, maybe Tua. I was thinking that earlier in the season, maybe Tua, listen, you have Terry McLaurin, you have Deami Brown, you have some weapons there, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick in the backfield. That's not a bad offensive line. That, that's a team, you know, whatever they'll, they'll be called, they're going to reveal it in a month, but yeah. That's going to be a very interesting division for sure. Yeah, so the Cowboys had their opportunity. They squandered it. They weren't able to take advantage of making the playoffs. Having a home playoff game against the 49ers team, that I mean, they have their own question marks, especially at quarterback, what's going to happen beyond the season. It's all likelihood that they're going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo because you're not going to trade up for the third overall pick and then say, ah, actually, just kidding, never mind. We're going to stick with Jimmy Garoppolo for another season. So they're going to be able to move on from their quarterback. However, the Cowboys are really in a, in a state that we don't know. They, they've for this season they have at the very least reached the the, the end of the tunnel, and uh, someone else who has reached the end of the tunnel is Ben Roethlisberger on his career. Uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers were not able to go into Kansas City and take care of business, falling forty two to twenty one. The game started, you know, somewhat competitive. You know, the the score at the end of the, at the end of the first was either seven nothing Pittsburgh or zero zero. Of course, they had that uh, that uh, a strip on the kind of weird wildcat play that didn't necessarily work out. Uh, Bosa got got the touchdown on that however after that moment it was the Chiefs and we know what the Chiefs are Patrick Mahomes just listen to this 404 yards five touchdowns one interception woohoo um but in a playoff game that is just absolutely disgusting uh just a disgusting stat line Jared McKinnon had a great game 61 yards on the ground did of course have that touch uh, that touchdown through the air he played great. Travis Kelsey had the passing touchdown, had the had the the, the touchdown in the, in the end zone, 108 yards, and that touchdown. Uh, notably, I don't know if you heard the story about uh, 
the the Kelsey's mom flew from she was at the game in Tampa to watch Jason Kelsey play. Uh, the Eagles play Tampa. Got an Uber to the airport and got a got a got on a plane to go over to Kansas City to watch Travis Kelsey. And to me, just as a football fan, that's a dream. I would think about it as a, as a parent to see your your one son playing a playoff game at one city, get on a plane, go see your other son play in the very same day. That's really cool. However, we saw the Chiefs just be the Chiefs and just be so much better. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, his last game, 215 yards, two touchdowns. is, is respectable. You know, he's he is a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. He's had controversy throughout his career. However, two Super Bowls, first ballot Hall of Famer, undeniable. Uh, Pittsburgh, again, was not able to establish the run at all. 29, 29 yards on the day. Uh, their leading receiver was James Washington, 37 yards in the touchdown. And I want to give a lot of credit to Juju. Juju is on a one-year contract. He was hurt. He was pretty significantly hurt to the point that, you know, he was on IR. We all thought he was going to miss the remainder of the season. However, he came back knowing he could re-injure himself, just the opportunity to try to help his team win. Uh, I got to give a lot of respect to him, whereas no, a lot of people in the past have given Juju a lot of flack for you know his, his antics, his, his, his TikTok videos. However, he came back. Got to give a lot of respect to him. Um, but this being Ben Roethlisberger's last game, uh, Zach, who do you think is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers starting quarterback week one next year? Ooh. <clears throat> um, can you pick it? Uh, <laughs> can you pick it? Not, not bad. Not a bad pick. Not a bad pick. Um, you know, I am trying to think because I, I remember when, you know, the, the Sean Watson, the Steeler talks were even were a thing at one point. And I think, you know, I, I think the Steelers team, I think, is ready to win, you know, but I think they need a, a quarterback there. And I don't think Ben Roethlisberger really played well at all this season, you know, and again, he had games here and there, but like you never really was wowed by the quarterback play from the Steelers. Um, if you bring the league quarterback in there already, but you know, again, I, I think, you know, the receivers, you know, you have Claypool, you have, you have Juju, if he comes back, uh, Deontay Johnson. I mean, those are pretty good receivers you have there. You got that guy. I really can't pronounce his last name. Pat Furmyth, the tight end. I'm not um, going to correct you on that one. I don't, I couldn't tell yeah, you. I don't know, but Hey, young tight end that was really productive this year. You have Najee Harris. I really wanted the Dolphins to get him. He's a really good running back, but really nothing was clicking. Uh, and I'm not even going to blame totally Ben on that. I remember, I don't know what the, the stats was on the amount of drops there was. There was a lot, I know, on the Pittsburgh side that, that could have really just carried on drives, hopefully maybe lead to touchdown drives for them. Uh, there was nothing there for them. But yeah, you know, the Chiefs were the Chiefs. You know, like you said, um, they scored 21 points in the second quarter, 14 in the third. Uh, finished with 42 points. You, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes. Um, you mentioned Jarek McKinnon. It's a, it's a very good call because, you know, again, besides getting the 12 carries, you know, the 61 yards there, he did get six catches for 81 yards uh, through the air with that touchdown. Like you said, Travis Kelsey, five for 108. I mean, uh, this team and Tyreek Hill didn't ha- even have a great game, you know, and that's the scary part. They scored 42 points with Tyreek Hill only having five catches for 57 yards. That's scary. Um, so, yeah, we didn't expect this. Even Big Ben expected it. He said they, they didn't have a chance, you know, before the game. I don't know why he said that. But, um, yeah, listen, I, the, the Chiefs, uh, they're my pick to go to the Super Bowl again. I, I, I Very well, we could just be seeing a rematch, honestly, and, and I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, or we could see a State Farm Super Bowl with with uh, um, Aaron Rodgers uh, and Patrick Mahomes. Um, but, yeah, to me, they're the team to beat, even though Buffalo did look great, obviously, against the Patriots. Um again, that's going to be an absolutely explosive divisional round game. I don't remember the last divisional round game that was that 
hyped up. You know, that's like usually a conference championship game, but no, divisional round. So, yeah, it's going to be great. The Steelers didn't have a chance on offense or on defense, you know, and Big Ben goes out. You know, I I couldn't give an SHIT about Big Ben, but, um, but, you know, again, like you said, He's a first, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You know, he has the stats, he has the Super Bowl wins. You know, he's a big part of that Steelers historic franchise and dynasty. So um, obviously he will be remembered for sure. Um, but great to see that he does go out in blowout fashion. So uh, at least just maybe, you know, and like you said, the Steelers fan base, boo-hoo, I don't, I don't care. Um, so, but you know, again, the Chiefs, again, not surprising. Like you said, there's a lot of blowouts this wild card weekend. So um, definitely wasn't surprised about this one. Yeah, it was. It, it was not. It was not a surprise at all. Like I said uh, on Jacob's show, I said it was going to be upset, only winning by twenty-eight points. Uh, the Steelers were the worst team in the playoffs. Big Ben knew they were the worst team in the playoffs. We. I mean, I, I was. I'm, I'm a Ravens fan too. I, I love the Dolphins. They're my team first. However, after that, I have a lot of love for the Ravens, and, and part of my love originally for the Ravens stemmed just solely based off my hatred for the Steelers. Um, but watching that game, neither team deserved to win the Week 18 game of the Ravens and the Steelers. It was an absolutely terrible game. Neither team deserved to win. And, you know, the uh, the Steelers won it based off the fact they have a better defense. However, that wasn't able to carry on a course against the Kansas City Chiefs, arguably the best offense in the league between you know, between them, the Bills, and the Bengals, the, one of the best offenses in the league. So the Chiefs were able to take care of business. And, yes, that puts together an absolutely fantastic AFC divisional round. The rematch of the AFC Championship from last year. Of course, we know the picture of Stephon Diggs standing on the on the sideline, watching the whole performance go down. We so we see if that if if that is able to resonate with him. And we saw earlier this year the Bills were able to go into Arrowhead and take care of business, winning by 18 points against the Chiefs. And it's gonna be it's gonna be electric. These two teams put up a combined 89 points in their in their games on Saturday and Sunday. So that that really probably is the the matchup of next week. Uh, and the, the the last game that has yet to yet to happen that we can give our thoughts on is going to be taking place tonight in arguably the best game of the of the weekend. You know, I, I was leaning towards 49ers Cowboys being the best game and it did not disappoint whatsoever. However, with the Cardinals and Rams, I'm leaning here towards an upset. I said in the show last week and I said on Jacob's show that I think the Rams are an opportunity to upset here. The the Ram, or the Cardinals are an, have an opportunity to upset the Rams here. The Rams have a lot. Of pressure on him. What they've what they've waged in the past seasons and this season, they they have really said we're going all in. They've been going all in for three seasons now. However, that is only sustainable to a certain point. They went out and got the stars Odell. They went out and got uh, Von Miller, and they obviously have an absolutely star-studded roster. Aaron Donald, uh, Jalen Ramsey brought in Matt Stafford in the offseason, and that acquisition has has mostly worked. He, he's had some turnovers here and there. However, he's been he's been clutch in the fourth quarter and. Brought them back to win their division, even losing, even though they lost the Cardinals at home earlier on the season. So they were able to come back, win their division. However, Zach, I think the pressure on the Rams tonight could be too much for them. Listen, you're right. You know, I I, I made a tweet about all the teams I predicted to win, and I picked the Rams. I'm still sticking with the Rams, but you're absolutely right. And I'm kind of getting a Cowboys vibe here, you know, just again, the amount of pressure, like you said, that that's going to be on this team, whether on both sides of the ball. I'm going to stick with it. I'm still going to say the Rams. I think that when the Rams do play well, they are one of the best teams in the league. But, like, they mistakes have been stacking upon them. And really, it starts with Matthew Stafford, who 
again, is a, is a very good quarterback in this league, but he can have off games and those off games will tarnish the Rams. And you're, you're hoping it doesn't happen at home, you know, in a playoff game. Again, he hasn't been in this environment in a while, you know, um, but I would be picking over them if it wasn't for the inexperience of the Rams because, uh, no, excuse me, the Cardinals, um, Kyler Murray, especially coming off that injury, still Cliff Kingsbury. Again, that team is still a very young team. So that is kind of the only reason why I'm kind of leaning the Rams, because to me, this is one of the two toughest games to kind of decide on this and the Cowboys and the 49ers. Um, again, I'm going to be leaning with the Rams here. Um, and it's going to be a, it's going to be a good game. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout on any direction. I think this is going to be a close game, whatever it may be. And I think a high scoring game, um, you know, but I, I think when the Rams do click and, and they can click on both running and throwing the football, they click. So I'm going to go lean towards them, but I will not be shocked at all if the Cardinals come out of this one. Um, I don't even know if it'll be a huge upset. I think the line is minus three and a half on the Rams side. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a great game. A game I'm glad they saved for Monday night in the primetime spot there. Yeah, I'm a little nervous about this one, uh, but I'm going to lean Rams. I'm going to lean Rams here. It's definitely understandable. You know, they're, they're at home. They have the better roster. Arizona is again going to be without DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, and this is the third time they played each other. They've split the series. They each won on the road. And both games were absolutely incredible. And that first game in L.A. was the Cardinals really stamp on the season. Like, hey, guys, we're serious. We're still undefeated. We went into Los Angeles. You guys were kind of crowning them the best team in the league at the time. And we took care of business from the jump. The Rams were never really able to get in that game. The, the, the final scoreline was respectable. However, the entire game, the, the Cardinals were a much better team. And you, you fast forward a few weeks later into, into December and you have the rematch Cardinals at home this time and the Rams. And that was a game that could have gone either way throughout the entire game. But that time the Rams did look like the better team. So it really is just who shows up, who shows up to play. And I'm not necessarily wholeheartedly saying that the, the Cardinals are going to win. I can't say that with my chest because the Rams, if you just look at the roster on paper, probably have the best roster in the NFL and just Sean McVay needs to do a good job at kind of getting back to the roots of what has worked for him. Establish the run, play action pass. Don't go for these, this fireworks show every single play, which you, I mean, they've been able to do. They have Cooper Cup, who's been the best receiver by far in the league this year. Best receiver in the league we've seen in many years now, arguably back to, to Randy Moss, the type of season he's had this year. And Odell has had a great impact ever since coming from Cleveland. I believe he's had six touchdowns uh, so far. So, They've been able to establish a great a great game on offense, and that defense is what that defense is. I mean, I just have I have a gut, and I have a soft spot for a soft spot for the Cardinals. I love what they do. I love how they play. Just the the offensive firepower that they play with, and the defense has been able to step up this so far uh, this season. So I'm not going to say it with my whole chest. However, I am going to go with the Cardinals still against the Rams. It kind of sucks for me that I'm going to be at work, so I'm going to have the have the game on in my pocket and uh, pull it out when I can. So I'm going to go. Cardinals with that to wrap out the the wild card weekend and if the if the Cardinals were to win or actually no matter who wins this game the winner of this or the winner of this game is going on to Tampa Bay to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the NFC NFC side of things with the 49ers winning 49ers would take on the Green Bay Packers you know that game I, I the Packers should be considerably favored however if the Rams do win tonight that'd be a juicy matchup we saw these teams match up earlier on in the season and the Rams took care, take care of business against the Buccaneers. So that'd be interesting to see. And then over on the AFC side of things, of course, Chiefs, Bills, 
what a tasty matchup that is. You know, there's not even much that needs to be said. Those two teams, those two quarterbacks, the coaching staffs are you know, almost on par with each other everywhere you stack them up. So that's going to be a fantastic game. And then the, the last of the two games, the Bengals, are, I'm sorry, Bengals and Titans game is really a team, is a, really a matchup of just who's going to come out to play. Is Derrick Henry going to come out to play? Is Joe Burrow going to come out to play? Derrick Henry coming back from that injury. Joe Burrow in his still, yes, he is. He has shown the success so far. However, he still is really young. So the, the inexperience of the Bengals versus the, you know, the injured star coming back for the Tennessee Titans, some great matchups for the, for the divisional round of the playoffs uh, coming up next week. And hopefully the game ending off tonight is going to live up to the expectations we see here, uh, see here in front of us. So now we can finally get to it. We're going to get to some dolphins talk and, uh, you know, it's it's only it's, it's only it's only right that I have to put myself through this like three times a week now with all the shows I'm on. It's just who whoever's whoever's on the show with me most of the time is a is a Dolphins fan or somebody who can at least hold the conversation about the Dolphins. So I just I just keep subjecting myself to this by bringing on more and more Dolphins fans just to, for me just to pour my heart out and just be so sad about what's happened with the Dolphins. Just to reiterate, I'm not I was not I was not on board with the Brian Flores firing. Uh, I think that. You know, he could have done a lot better job. To, he could have done a better job to work on the offensive side of the ball. However, the success he's brought this team in three years, the last two years being on the doorstep of the playoffs, both years being in a playoff position with less than a month to go in the season, just for him to be fired after after what was, you know, a really up and down season, went one and seven, then pulled it back to being the number seven seed. I think he did plenty a job to, to get a, at least a fourth year and potential coach of the year talks if he was able to even get into the playoffs. So I don't think that that was the right decision. And for me, if I'm looking at the quarterback position, if I'm looking at Tua, I'm saying you probably try to move off of them, especially if you can get one of the three guys. Deshaun Watson, I, you know, of the three, I would like to stick away from the least because of legal issues and just, you know, who he has as a person. However, obviously, he's a better quarterback. Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. He wanted to move last offseason. Reports have come out saying that he's going to be exploring his option this offseason. And this based off is what he was talking about last year. Looks like he wants to move to a big city. He wanted to go to the Raiders that had no offensive line because they just got rid of their whole offensive line. They want to go to the Giants who stunk and had a bad offensive line. So I can't, you know, Miami, I don't see as a, as a bad destination for him other than the fact we just fired um, our, our best head coach in our lifetimes. Um, and then there's Aaron Rodgers, depending on what goes on with the Green Bay Packers, you know, if they, if they don't win a Super Bowl, are we going to see the same pity party we saw from him last offseason? So I would try to probably move off to a, and you know, if head coaching wise, since we do have to say, we, we can't go out and hire Brian Flores again. Uh, for me, Brian Dable is the number one asset out there. There's John Harbaugh in, in college or sorry, Jim Harbaugh for Michigan. However, just Stephen Ross saying he doesn't want to be the guy to bring over uh, Jim Harbaugh for Michigan. Well, I didn't want you to be the guy that fired Brian Flores for Miami. Here we are. Um, and then, of course, like you mentioned, uh, Mike McDaniels from the San Francisco 49ers. Those are my top three candidates. A bad situation. Make make the best of a bad situation by bringing one of those three guys. Zach, you're the Dolphins. What what do you want to see him do go forward with this offseason? So let me just uh, let me just say that when the Dolphins fired Brian Flores, definitely was shocked. Definitely thought that he at least deserved one more season uh, as the head coach. Um, wasn't mad about it like everybody else was. I will say that. Um, absolutely great defensive coach, but he's not hired to be a 
defensive coach. He's hired to be a head coach. There's three phases of football, and we talked about it before uh, we started this. Um, putting together an offensive staff was the biggest downfall for Brian Flores. Besides the four different offensive coordinators in the last three seasons, uh, the offense was not developing, you know, and people could put the blame on Tua. But to me, that's just, you know, when you have four different offensive coordinators, two in one season, uh, who are co-offensive coordinators, and you get rid of the first one, Chad O'Shea, because the, the offense is too complex. Um, I don't know. Like, so to me, when people say that Brian Flores is a, is a really good coach, I disagree because uh, when it came to the offensive side of the ball, you know, it, it was poor. Um, so, and, and I don't know if you know who Josh Gad is. He's a very big Miami Dolphins fan. He's an actor. He said on Twitter that firing Brian Flores is the worst decision ever in the franchise's history. No. <laughs> okay. I'd hear, I'll name a couple passing on Drew Brees all those years ago, that could have changed the landscape of, of the Dolphins and the NFL. Uh, even, and I like Tua, picking him over Herbert is an even worse decision. Keeping Chris Greer is an even worse decision. Um, but again, I, again, I don't disagree with it, but what do you got to do now for the head coaching job? You get an offensive mind a head coach. I, I think that's what it is. And I know Adam Gase and Joe Philbin, we made mistakes there. But, I mean, like, you can't just go away from the offensive-minded people when that's the biggest problem of, of this team. So, like you said, Brian Dable, Mike McDaniel, those guys really intrigue me on the offensive side of the ball. I would be very comfortable with those two. I don't think they should hire Brian Dable just because he worked with Tua before, you know, in Alabama, but because of what else he has done. He made Matt Moore look good. If you could do that, I mean, yeah, sign me up. You know, so – um, but besides that, Mike McDaniel, we, we want to focus on that running game. He's the guy to do it. And I think him and Dable can bring in guys besides himself on the offensive side of the ball that can help out in developing players there. Um, if they want to look for an experienced head coach, the guy that comes to mind to me is Doug Peterson. Uh, that's the only guy offensively that, that has proven to be a winner and successful in this league. Uh, really, Jim Caldwell doesn't really intrigue me at all. Uh, it's not even just the age. I just don't really think that you know he, he can do it. Um, so really those are the three guys that I'm just like, yeah, if they pick any of those three guys, I can't say I'd be very disappointed at all. Um, you know, and then I say that, but then they'll pick Vance Joseph. So I don't know. Um, oh, which, gosh. yeah, I, I wouldn't like, again, it's just, sure. Like, I, I think they just want a guy that's going to collaborate because that's what Brian Flores didn't do well. I, I think that's what it is. But do, do you want to collaborate with, with people in the organization that have been making it mediocre? I, I don't know. So maybe on that part of Flores, maybe, I, maybe I'm agree with. But I don't know. Um, hearing what happened with Flores, you know, with the reports of how he was kind of difficult to work with and not approachable, you know, to me, it's like, you know, people are just shouting out the rooftops how great he is. But like, you know, how, how great really is he? if, you know, sure, we've seen the def some defensive players say we're going to miss you, Flo. No one on the offense said nothing about that, about it. Uh, I I think that speaks volumes. You know, uh, sound speaks volumes there. Um, but again, uh, what what do I do with Tua? Um, if you can get a guy like Russell Wilson, if you can get a guy like Darren Rodgers, if you can get an elite option, I think you go for it. <clears throat> you know, I, I think we've been on the show with Jacob before, and I talked about the Sean Watson uh, before. When before anything with the allegations happened, I was totally on board. 25 years old at the time. He's already elite. Bring him here now. I like Tua, but bring him here now. 
now he has a major baggage that I am personally not comfortable with. And that says a lot about the organization that they don't care uh, about, you know, about women and, and whatever. Um, but again, I don't think you draft someone. I think that's the worst thing you can do. I, I don't, and I, I honestly don't even think, even though the Dolphins, they've made stupid decisions. I don't think they're going to do that. Um, but you got to get at least an elite guy to upgrade or now you stick with Tua for one more year and see what happens. You use the 74 million you have in cap space tied for number one league. You spend it on tackles. You get some receivers here, whether maybe Calvin Ridley, if he doesn't want to be with the Falcons anymore, you bring in some options in here and let's see if he can thrive in an offense that can actually be competent in this league. Uh, and if so, if not move on from Tua, you know, I think you just got to give him a chance. And we'll see what happens. Uh, he's been, we've seen the improvement. He just has to kind of get it all together. And we'll see if he can do that with an offensive-minded head coach. So Dolphins are in a tough spot. You know, I feel like I say this every single offseason. This is going to be a very important offseason for the Dolphins. I've heard that so much. But really, I feel like now this is like we're finally maybe at that important stage. You got to get the right head coach. You got to get, you know, you got to build around Tua. We'll see if they can do it. Do I trust Greer? No. But we'll see. There is a lot of decisions to be made this offseason. If we bring in the right head coach, if we bring an offensive-minded head coach, of course, first and foremost, that is the direction I would go in 100%. Vance Joseph, to me, would literally be the worst-case scenario. He is a worse version to me of Brian Flores. He went over to Denver. He didn't have the quarterback. Neither has Brian Flores. And he did not put together a winning competitive roster in the years he was there. He's gone to Arizona and the defense has been good. Wasn't that good last year? However, the defense has improved this year. So he's a good defensive coordinator. Absolutely. If we are able to lure him back as a DC, then Hey, by all means, uh, another guy, former head coach, defensive minded. If we could bring in Vic Fangio as a DC, I think that would be absolutely fantastic. I think he goes back to Chicago with the new head coach that they bring in. It could be Brian Flores, of course. Um, so I, I don't want to touch those guys. I don't want to touch a defensive guy. But if we were if we were to have kept Brian Flores, I think that was the biggest motivation for me to move off of Tua. I looked at Brian Flores as a good head coach, but he would not be he was he wasn't able to get the defense right. We saw multiple seasons now, or sorry, we was not able to get the offense right. We see we saw the offensive line was literally 32nd in a lot of uh, offensive line ratings this year. Uh, we did not do a great job at establishing the run all season long until the end of the season where we saw Duke Johnson, Philip Lindsay, two guys we brought in off of waivers to get the job done. And then Tua's development hasn't been that fantastic. So if we were to keep with Brian Flores, who I was, I was hundred percent on board with keeping him. If we were to keep him and then bring in a star quarterback, that would have to me fixed a lot of the issues that the, the offense was lacking. However, now if you do bring in an offensive-minded coach, and of course the top top candidate has to be Brian Dable, you can definitely make some work with Tua. Brian Dable, more than anybody, should know how to make Tua work. And he also, more than anybody, should know whether Tua is even a good quarterback to, to roll with for the future in the first place. He's, he's worked with him in Alabama. He knows his strong suits. He knows his weak suits. And like you said, he's, he's, he's been a former Dolphins, of coach, Dolphins coach here. I saw a video of Tony Sperano talking about him, how he has he he did a lot of work working with the New England Patriots, working with their defense just to get the idea of, of what the defense looks to scheme against the offense. And this was as a wide receivers coach, not even as an offensive coordinator. So he's done a great job at learning the defensive side of the ball to help him understand the offensive side of the ball, which is exactly what you should do 
as a head coach, let alone a wide receivers coach. So the work he's done there has been absolutely outstanding. And what he's done with Josh Allen, Josh Allen, we has we know he has some undeniable God-given talent. That arm doesn't just happen to fall on anybody. You, you can't just make that happen. You're, you're blessed with it. You're born with it. His, his athletic ability, the body he has, those things, undeniable. Brian Dable, you know, you can't give Brian Dable credit for that. He was just born that way. However, the ability to turn his game from a just, you know, 50-50 when he throws the ball downfield, where the hell is it going to go, to, oh, this guy's going 21 for 25, 300 yards in a playoff game, had more touchdowns than he had incompletions, is very efficient in clutch opportunities against the Patriots a few weeks ago, was running left, running right, running backwards, and be able to get the ball into the perfect spot. So he's turned him from not just an athletic quarterback, however, into a very efficient quarterback that you can win on. Now you look at Tua, does not have that God-given athletic ability, does not have that arm, but he has some sort, he has some skill. You know, he isn't a total bum like some people would like to say he is. He has an incredible uh, ability of the accuracy. However, when we do see that lacking, he doesn't necessarily have another step to his game. So if you're going to look to look to keep Tua, you need to bring in somebody that can bring out the best of him. And to me, Brian Dable does that 100%. And if you can draft well, which is something that Greer has been 50-50 on. We saw he, Greer had three first-round picks. He took Tua, Austin Jackson, and Noah Igbenogany. Tua, we're talking about moving off of. Austin Jackson stinks. He's played three different offensive offensive lineman positions. It hasn't been good at any of them. And Noah Igbenogany has been a healthy scratch to the majority of the season. So he absolutely whiffed on those of those picks there. However, last season, he absolutely blew it out of the water. Jalen Waddle first, Jalen Phillips second. He could have taken Najee Harris, of course. However, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with the Jalen Phillips uh, drafting there. And in the second round, you, you didn't reach, you didn't trade up to try to get Javante Williams, which is something that I was kind of wanting us to do. But then you go get the best secondary, uh, the best safety in the draft in Javon Holland, who could have been a pro bowler this year, was on the all-rookie team this year. So he killed it last year. So if he can carry that success into the draft this year, and then we have $74 million of cap to spend. Now we need to resign Emmanuel Ogba first and foremost before we do anything. Emmanuel Ogba was a huge piece on that defense. He was the sack leader the last couple of years. Without him, that defense does not have the presence it does otherwise. But, most, but mostly that defense is really solid. That defensive line, Christian Wilkins, Zach Zeeler, uh, Raekwon Davis, and then, of course, Jalen Phillips on the other edge spot. That defense is solid. Hopefully, you can re, uh, re-sign Nick Needham, maybe sign a, another linebacker to accompany uh, uh, Baker. Landon Roberts, for the contract he's on, has done a great job for this team. So the defense is set other than those two guys I'd like to re-sign. But then if you look at the offensive side of the ball, where we, where we really lack an offensive line. Offensive line literally dead last in so many statistical categories. The wide receiver core, we brought in Will Fuller. What we thought would have been a, a great addition has absolutely been terrible. Xavier Howard has more receptions and more touchdowns than Will Fuller does this year. It's absolutely outstanding as a cornerback has more interceptions than Will Fuller has catches. Absolutely ridiculous. And I was somebody who was a big fan of that signing at the time. I thought it could have opened up to his game downfield, but you know, he can't stay healthy. And maybe there was more to the physical health, maybe there was something else on the side because we know we heard some of that in the first couple of weeks of the season. So maybe there was more there. However, you can bring in a receiver or two. You can bring an offensive line. You can you know, maybe get a better running back. 
that's a team that can compete. That's a team that can compete even with Tua. So if you can build around Tua, you bring him offensive-minded coach, I don't necessarily think that's the worst thing in the world at this point. You know, I I, I completely agree. Um, here's my thing, and then I think we were talking about um, Brian Dable and, 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 you know, Brian Flores as well. And, you know, if Tua is not the guy moving forward, am I going to trust Brian Dable or am I going to trust Brian Flores to make that decision? I'm going to lean more towards Brian Dable. You know, because Brian Flores, whether the reports are true, saying that, you know, he wish he should have, he could have drafted Mac Jones or, you know, just kind of just saying to, to kind of demean, like diminishing that relationship between the head coach and the quarterback. It's like, you know, if, if I'm going to trust someone to make that decision, it's going to be an offensive minded guy. And I think Brian Dable should be the deciding guy there. So I'm on board with, with the first some offensive coordinators for sure. But like, you know, I, we'll see, we'll see how much stock we put into the words of Steven Ross, but like, you know, he, he did, he didn't make it clear, like he wants an experienced head coach, you know, and whether they, he chooses that or not. I honestly think some of these interviews are just formalities. Like when, when they interviewed, uh, like, uh, I forgot who they, like Dan Quinn, like, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to get him. They're just interviewing him just because of the formality, you know? So I, I don't think that that's their intention. But again, I think you do look at guys like Brian Dable, Mike McDaniel, and you and you give those two first-time head coaches a chance. Uh, and I'll be good with that, especially Brian Dable. I don't think you should just sign Brian Dable because of the relationship with Tua, just because of what he can do with the offense in general. But yeah, I, I'm totally on board with those two guys. Again, I, I, I don't mind Doug Peterson as well. You know, play hugely on the RPO with Carson Wentz. It made that offense that one year very successful. They can do that again with Tua maybe. I don't think they they've actually requested to interview him yet, um, but we'll see. But uh, yeah, it should be a while before we get really a decision here. But it, it really shouldn't be that long though, because you know you have to you have the draft, you have other things happening. So yeah, you know it, it's going to be uh, again. I see this a lot. It's an interesting offseason for the Dolphins. Um, I don't know why they keep doing this to us, Jacob, but you know, we live through it, you know, and I think that's, it shows, that shows more about our character than anything else. Yeah. I've lived through as 21 years. I've seen three playoff. Well, I didn't see the first one. That was back in 2001 and me, my infancy couldn't really care less about football. I uh, saw us play the Ravens first round, lose, saw us play the Steelers first round, lose. And otherwise has not been a lot of moments to feel good as a Dolphins fan. And, you know, there is a possibility that we look at we look back at this as the best decision the franchise has made in recent memory. There is a possibility that they absolutely hit it out of the park, bring in a good offensive-minded head coach that can maybe make it work with Tua, maybe move off with Tua. There's 100% a chance that uh, we, that we can do that. Uh, I'm I'm definitely less on board with the fact that we fired Brian Flores than you are. I think you know the working relationship thing. I think that's something he's winning. He's almost getting to the playoffs year in year out. You could have worked through with that and try to make things work. However, they chose not to. So we'll see what the Dolphins do here moving on here. Hopefully bring us uh, a little more happiness uh, to come. But there are there are two South Florida sports teams that before we move off of this, that I would like to give a little bit of a highlight to that have brought, I mean, brought us a lot of happiness recently. First and foremost, for me, I've been watching a lot of the Florida Panthers. They have the most goals in the league. Their last two games winning by a combined 16 to three on top of their division, on top of the NHL as things stand, have been absolutely killing it. Jonathan Huberdeau, I mean, I'm going to scream from the rooftops, should be an MVP candidate, has 53 points on the season, 15 goals, 38 assists, not even at the halfway point of the year so far. 
just a really well-balanced team that has been absolutely outstanding. And then the Miami Heat, the even being as injured as they have been, missing Jimmy Butler for an extended period of time throughout the season. Bam Adebayo is, has been out for a few weeks now, uh, playing some of the reserve players, playing like guys like Kyle Guy that you've picked up off the streets, and he's been able to, to get some work done. Uh, the development of Max Struess has really been a, has really been a, a breath of fresh air for me because that's somebody who I was hating on really last year. I thought he, I said he's the worst shooter of all time because he he's the worst guy who's labeled a shooter, but he, he wasn't making his shots. But hey, now we've seen it multiple games now. He's led the led the team in scoring, and we still have Victor Oladipo sitting there at the bench, uh, waiting to come in, waiting to fully heal, sitting at third place in the uh, sitting at third place Eastern Conference. Zach, how does it feel to at least have two teams that can bring us some sort of happiness? Yeah, listen, I, I said this to you before, you know, and I, I have a lot of hockey friends as well, and I, I watch them from time to time because, again, I need some sort of Miami winning or some sort of Florida team winning, you know, so it kind of, you know, helps me out. And, again, we were saying this, like, I'm not a huge hockey guy, but, like, seeing how they're scoring a lot of goals, like, five or up, I know that's not normal. You know, I know that that's a highly offensive power team that they have. Uh, I can't name you. Everybody in the team, I know uh, Barkov. I know I'm kind of testing myself on live right now. Uh, Herbert Doe, right? And uh, Duclair is there, one of them. There we go. There we go. That's, so, that's three. And uh, I'm kind of done there. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but again, I, I do got to keep watching them. And again, like the one thing I do know about the plant, the Panthers and um, is that they got to get past the first round when they make the playoffs. I know that's the thing. They have to prove that they are the team that they are in the regular season. They made, went through a lot of obstacles. I mean, I was following the whole thing with uh, Quinnenville as well. So, I mean, they, they've, they've suffered a lot. But, you know, they got to get through it, you know, especially when, especially when it comes to the postseason. They got to win a playoff game because if they don't win a playoff game, I mean, are they just the Dallas Cowboys of the, of the NHL? I don't want to say that. You know, I don't want to put that. I, I see your face. You're already getting angry. But, like, still, they got to prove it. You know, when it comes to the heat, obviously, you listen, I mean, um, a good front office and a good head coach, it's, it's happy to see that in Miami. You, you got Pat Riley. You got the godfather. And you got Eric Spolstra. That is an all-star team right there. And I, I, I just want to quote Doc Rivers real quick, where he, before the game, he, they, when they faced the, um, uh, when, when they faced, uh, this is a couple of days ago. And he, he said, talking about Omar Yurtsevin, who's been doing absolutely great at the five position for the Heat, you know, with, with Bam's absence. And he says, I don't know where they keep finding these guys. It really pisses me off. It, sh- it should be true. I mean, the, the use of these two-way contracts that the Heat are doing, like you mentioned Kyle Guy, we, you know, you see these guys that came from, you know, the D-League, like 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 Caleb Martin and, and Gabe Vincent, and, and you have Omar Gertzevin really just putting in the numbers. You mentioned Max Struess. I mean, this team is third in the East with these players. I know, I listen, Kyle Lowry helps, you know, uh, and you, you're getting Jimmy back, and now you're getting Bam back tonight. I mean, the Heat, are, this is a good team. You know, I, I people, you know, and I know – they're making fun of the fact that I think, I don't know if it was ESPN. I forgot who said that, that we're dangerous loomers for the finals. Like we're not like top contenders, but we're dangerous loomers, man. Miss me with that. Okay. You know, this is a top team in the East. You know, I've been saying this since the beginning. Um, and that's what happens. You know, that proves how good of a coach Eric Spolster is. We can take these players and put some success against these really top level NBA teams, you know, uh, and to me, like just seeing that happen day in and day out, just perform on a daily level, just show the toughness, showing that heat culture. I love it, man. Uh, they're they're going to make some noise in the playoffs for sure. Yeah, both teams. One thing you pointed out, the, the top to bottom is, is where you got to look. You got to look at ownership. 
ownership with the with Mickey Harrison, with the Panthers owner, both aggressive-minded guys that don't look to want to rebuild. They want to just keep moving forward with the team, kind of develop the team. GM, of course, making things work. And head coach, even though the Panthers have an interim head coach, he's been making it work, has been arguably one of the coach of the year, doing the job he's done, taking over the controversy from Quinnville. And, of course, Spolstra is one of the best coaches in the league and has been for a year and year out. And the two things I really want to compare with these two teams is the well-balance of both the youth and the experience. The Panthers, of course, they, they have they have some older guys they brought in. They, they brought in Hornquist onto the team. They have some guys that have been there for a few years, like Huberdo and Ekblad and Barkov. However, you have Anton Lundell, who is doing really well for the team, has nine goals so far on the season. Idu Lusterainen has eight goals himself as a rookie. These two guys, two young guys have been brought in have been playing absolutely outstanding, as well as free agent and trade acquisitions. Sam Bennett, Sam Reinhart, both have been absolutely outstanding. You look at the Heat, same thing. Like you said, Yerk Seven brought him out out of nowhere. He had a great, uh, um, uh, what's the what's the summer? Uh, he did a great summer league. And then you have, of course, Tyler Hill, you draft a few years ago. You find Duncan Robinson on a two-way contract. You sign him to a four- or five-year contract. Uh, Bam Adebayo, drafting him again in the middle of the first round, a player that could have could have developed one way or another he doesn't necessarily do one thing great however the heat have been able to develop him to a very well-rounded basketball player and then of course you have a star power of jimmy butler that is leading this team as things stand we're sitting at third in the east half game back of brooklyn one game back of, of the chicago bulls a team that has also done a great job in development and bringing guys in mostly through free agency you see then bringing in, of course, uh, DeMar DeRozan in the offseason. A few years back, they brought in Zach Levine, bringing in Lonzo Ball, of course, this offseason. Great job there in the East. And then out West, you know, the resurgence again of the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson just finally came back. And, of course, Phoenix is doing a, a good job staying up top there. So, yeah, but just just those two, two teams in general doing a lot better job than the Dolphins, have a lot more stability top to bottom than the Dolphins do. So hopefully the Dolphins kind of take a – take a page from their playbook and trying to try to meet the standard of some of the other Southport South Florida sports teams we have around there. But uh, that's, that's going to be the end for us here. Uh, Zach, thank you very much uh, for coming on the show today. Thank you all very much for listening. Uh, Zach, do you have uh, anything you'd like to plug here at the end? Absolutely. Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at Zach Weinberger, Zach with an H W E I M B E R G E R. Uh, currently just write about FAU sports for lemoncitylive.com. Uh, going to be going to the FAU basketball game later today, actually. Going to be covering that, so uh, stay tuned for that. Some potentially pretty good news in the future, but, you know, just follow my social media and uh, and just stay tuned. But, uh, yeah, awesome to be on the show today. Yes, thank you. Thank you for thank you for being on, man. Uh, this is going to be on Spotify, of course, but starting tomorrow, you guys are going to be able to hear me over on FAUOurRadio.com. I'll be starting my show over there. My show there is going to run from 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock on Tuesday. So very excited to, to start that up. And anybody listening to this, maybe from the FAU community that would like to get interested into, into sports radio, sports broadcasting. I spoke at a open house a few days ago, spoke to a few people there, but there's more people out there listening. And just, you know, maybe even my friends that are listening, I'd like to get on the show here. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities that I like to hand out and bring people in. Just the more people I can do, Zach, I think you're my fourth or fifth guest now. The more people I can do this with, the more fun I have with it, the better content producers getting a lot of different opinions out there. So, Zach, thank you very much for having coming on today. Thank you all very much for listening. Hope you all have a great rest of your day. Take care, everybody.